Father, we come before your throne of grace and mercy today. Lord, that is what we seek, grace and mercy. We ask, O Lord, that you would cause your word to come alive so that your saints would be enriched and edified. Let us see Christ in your word today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, today for a short while, we will consider Jesus' command to love your enemies. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. must confess that there will be no deep theology today. Forgive me, Brother Shambi, no deep theology. And, uh, and I'm also doubtful that there will be opportunities to shout today. The, those of you who have Baptist blood uh, flowing in your veins. But rather, this is a practical message about how we ought to live, how we ought to live with each other, and how we ought to live with the world. I want to ask you to do a couple things for me, and uh, your participation is encouraged. We very much appreciate it. I want you to raise, those of you, um, if you who have at least one enemy, if you have one or more enemies, I'd like you to indicate by raising your hand. I just want to see if you have one or more enemies, raise your hands. Just so that we can see. I see I'm raising my hands. Actually, I should raise both. <laughs> One or more. Okay. Now, 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 now. I just want to make sure that everybody is participating. So, those of you who don't have any enemies at all, if you have zero enemies, I want you to raise your hand. Now, let me see. Now, some, now, you see, some of you didn't raise your hands. Now, we can try this again because this, this you got you to gotta help the preacher out a little bit. If you, don't, if you have one or more enemies, kindly indicate by raising your hands. Okay, raise those hands. All right, very good, right. If you have no enemies at all, raise your hands. I want to see who these special people are. These special, special people. I think Danielle wants to raise her hand, but she, okay. All right. As I meditated on the sermon topic this week, Love Your Enemies, I saw many examples in my own life where I was not living out this very clear command in Scripture. How do I do that? How do I love my enemies? In fact, why am I asked to do something that is so unnatural anyway? Where is the sweetness in loving one's enemy? That's not a sweet thing to do. Don't I have a right to express my anger and perhaps seek revenge? And here's this question I came up with. If God wanted me to love my enemies, why didn't he give me a chip? He could have have implanted a chip in my brain or somewhere, and then, you know, that'd be okay. I wouldn't have to think about it. Who are my enemies anyway? Do I really have enemies? Should I allow people to take advantage of me? Is that what we're talking about? 
And if I allow them to do that, is there any end to it? Is there any end? Would there be an end to them taking advantage of me? And I suspect, no doubt, as you consider this topic, you're going to have similar questions and perhaps even more questions as well. Let's listen now to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Question mark. For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. To get back the same amount. But love your enemies. And do good. And lend. Expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And Jesus concludes this portion of his message with these words. Be Merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Today we will consider the command to love our enemies under five distinct headings. But before we plunge right in, I want us to consider a bit of a background. The passage in Luke that we read was authored by someone of the same name, Luke. He's also the author of the book of Acts. And together, Luke and Acts represent some 27% of the New Testament. In Luke chapter 1, we find that Luke writes this letter to someone he refers to as the most excellent Theophilus, who was perhaps a Greek official. And he writes that, he writes to Theophilus that I'm writing this letter to you so that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke writes to this Greek official, Theophilus, saying that I'm writing to you so that you might have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. It is not surprising, therefore, that given the culture and the circumstances of the day, which included overt prejudice, skirmishes, and immorality, that Luke would have incorporated those verses in his gospel. 
the Greek needed to understand that what it meant to be a true disciple. What it meant to be a true disciple. A true follower of Jesus Christ. Luke thought that these words, no doubt, were important for him to understand that. The scripture that we have just read in Luke chapter 6 forms a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as set out more fully in Matthew. Now then, let's consider the elements of our message. As we look at verse 27, Luke 6:27, we find these opening words of Jesus. But I say to you who hear. But I say to you who hear. I say to you who hear. It is clear that those are words of instructions, words of command, not to be ignored. I say to you who hear. I say to you who hear. Moreover, we see that the command is not to everyone. This command that Jesus is about to utter is not to everyone. It is to those who hear. Who are those who hear? Should that be taken literally? In other words, was Jesus issuing a command to everyone who was listening to him, the entire crowd, everybody who was present? Likely not. We know from Scripture that not everyone who hears understands and accepts the word God, let me say that again, not everyone who hears, understands, and accepts the word of God. Consider 1 Corinthians 2, 14, which says, The natural man understands not the things of God. To him they are foolishness. To him they are foolishness. He hears them, but he doesn't understand them. And to him, they are utter foolishness, Jesus says. But I say to you who hear, Jesus was issuing a command to his disciples of that day. And by extension, he issues a command to his disciples of this day. Do we have an option? Do we have an option to keep or not to keep Jesus' clear command? That's a question. Here is what Jesus says in John 14, 15 that helps us to answer that particular question. This is what he says. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus tied love for him. Notice, not to what we say, not to what we say. He doesn't tie love for him to what we say or what we think but rather he ties love for him to keeping his commandments. So we have no option. If he commands it and we are truly his disciples, we must follow what he says. But this command that Jesus gives, this command that follows these words, but I Say to you who hear, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Say what? Love your enemies. What did you just say, Jesus? Love your enemies. That song's like an oxymoron, young people. Oxymoron is a 
a figure of speech which apparently contradicts itself. Contradictory terms are used together. And that's what it sounds like. How do you love your enemy? Doesn't seem to go together. How do you love someone who's out to get you? Aren't you supposed to retaliate? Implicit in Jesus' command, Daniel, is the fact that you do have enemies. It's implied. He says, love your enemies. So you've got to assume that you must have enemies by the definition he uses. We'll see in a short while, well, we'll get a sense in a short while, what your enemy really looks like. But for the moment, would you at least accept that it is unnatural to love your enemies? That's not natural. It's not natural to love your enemies. It goes against our nature. Let me tell you. You see, I know us. We're driving down the road, and someone pulls in front of us. I mean, you know, our blood starts to boil. Are you talking about love your enemies? We're walking down the street and someone looks at us in a funny way. And you talk about love your enemies. What? But we don't do this to feel good. No, we don't. We don't love our enemies to feel good, though in time it will. But I want to tell you something about this, about striking back at your enemies. The truth is, and I don't know if you've had this experience, I can tell you from my personal experience, it feels good when you can get back at your enemies right away. It really does. I've got to tell you the truth, my, my personal experience. My personal experience is, you know, you are, you are in, a, in, in a verbal fight with your enemy, and you have the last word. Man, that feels good. Do I have an amen? Amen. All right. It feels good when something that was meant to cause you harm turns out to harm the other person. It feels good immediately. I mean, the the first thing you say, oh, wow, I'm so happy for that. The Lord moves in mysterious ways. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's wonders to perform. That's right. It feels good. Immediately. No, we don't follow Jesus' commands because the way we feel, the impact it's going to have on us. We follow them because they are his commands. But that said, that said, that said, I believe many of you have been around long enough to know that the long-term feeling one gets from loving one's enemies is really a good thing. Now, in the short term, it feels good when you can retaliate. But you know, if you're really a Christian, you know that thing bothers you and it hurts you. But in the long term, in the long term, when you love your enemy, as Christ commands, it really does feel good. Whereas in the short term, We want to strike out. In the long term, we feel better. And we see the wisdom in not retaliating. Let's take a look now. Let's move along and consider our second point. How do we love our enemies? How do we do it? What does it look like? Before we explore further what Jesus says in this regard... I think it's important for us to consider and to understand what love really is. In the Greek language, there are three kinds of love. Eros, which is a passionate desire for something or someone. That's a kind of love. And that's not the love we're talking about here. And then there's a second kind of love, philia, 
which is friendship or our brotherhood. And again, that's not the kind of love that we're talking about here. There's a third kind of love that Jesus is referring to here when he says, love your enemies. And it's agape. Agape is goodwill or benevolence. It is the word that is used to describe God's love for man and our love for God and man, which is unconditional. Agape, it it is God's covenantal love for man and our reciprocal love for him, which is extended to others. Agape is God's covenantal love for man and our reciprocal love for God, which we extend to others. That's the love that Jesus is referring to here. The word love Jesus uses here is a agape love. And in verses 28 and 27, Jesus tells us three things we must do for our enemies. Tells us three things we must do for our enemies in those two verses. And then in verses 29 and 30, he tells us four things that we must give to our enemies. And as we consider the things, these things, we must do for our enemies and what we must give them, as we consider these things, it should become easily apparent that one, love is not hate. Love is not hate, as we consider these things. We'll see that love and hate are opposites. The second thing that we will observe is that love is not lukewarm. Love just doesn't sit there. Love is not just lukewarm. Love is expressive. The third thing that we will observe is that love is an action word. Love is demonstrable. Love can be seen. And the fifth thing that we will observe as we consider these things is that love requires intentionality. Love requires intention. You've got to be intentional to love your enemy. You've got to really be intentional. It ain't going just happen. You've got to be purposeful. But what should we do for our enemies? What, is, what did Jesus say that we should do for our enemies? Let's take a look at it. Jesus says in verse 27, the second part of verse 27, he says, do good to those who hate you. Do you see that? Do good to those who hate you. There are people out there who just simply don't like you. Now, perhaps some of you haven't encountered them yet, but trust me, you will. You live long enough, you will. And perhaps some of them do such a good job camouflaging it. You just don't realize it. But there are people out there who just simply don't like you. They hate you. But what is your response? What is your response as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Jesus says, you ought to, we ought to do good to those who hate us. And perhaps they hate us for whatever the reason. Good. Perhaps there's a, whatever the reason is, they hate us. Hate is a real strong word. When someone hates you, he wants no good thing for you. Perhaps he wants you to suffer a physical harm or financial or material or some other kind of loss. It's hard enough to always do good to, for people we love, much less for people who hate us. But Jesus says you've got to do good. Imagine that. Do good to those who hate you. That's what we are called to do. You know, I got a feeling, you know, if this were not 
if the reward were not so great, the reward of Christianity were not so great, and we knew the rules before we enlisted, some of us would have said, oh my goodness, this really is too weighty. But Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. Then he says, that's not it, he's the end of it, in verse 28 he says, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Someone comes and speaks ill of you. Curses you to your face or behind your back. Which is not unusual. Jesus says, your response should not be to curse them back, young people. You don't curse back as a disciple of Christ. Jesus says, when they curse you Bless, you speak well off. You speak blessings upon them. You're supposed to speak blessings into the lives of those who curse you. Then Jesus continues, pray for those who abuse you, my Lord of mercy. For those who abuse you, for those who use you, for those who hurt you, for those who do it intentionally, for those who malign you, for those who walk all over you, for those who don't give you the promotion, for those who take advantage of you. Jesus calls us to pray for them. What a hard job we've got, it would say. Jesus says, pray for those who abuse you. Pray for them. And you know, when, when Jesus says, pray for them, he don't mean, you know, you gotta, those of you who might not understand this, he doesn't mean that you turn the Bible upside down. That's not the kind of prayer he's talking about. Jesus is talking about praying prayers of petition on their behalf, asking the Lord to, to bless them, to help them through any difficulty that they might be encountering, to bless their children, to save their lives. Lord, cause their tomorrows to be better than their yesterdays. Jesus calls us to pray for those who abuse us. And then he says, that there are things that we must give to those who inconvenience us, if you will. He says, to the one who or, or to the one who strikes you, turn the other cheek. <laughs> now you know <laughs> Jesus wasn't on Aaron Bailey Park when he said this. <laughs> you know. But really, yes, today he says to us today, if someone strikes you on the left cheek, offer the other also. Then he says, from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you. From one who takes away your goods, do not demand it back. Wow. Can I tell you, though, from a practical perspective. And I want you to hear this because I believe and I've seen this. I think that there is a, a tipping point and some of us are guilty of this. I want us to be warned about it. There are some people who claim that they're following Jesus' instructions and they do it in a manner to shame. I want you to hear me carefully. They do it in a manner to shame. They say, yes, I love my enemy. I'm going to pray for those who despitefully use me, etc., etc. And they do it in a way to shame the offender. So they might say something like this. When somebody offends them or, or speaks to them, child, I can pray for you. I can leave that to the Lord. And they think that they are demonstrating humility. 
They're demonstrating humility. You know, since you want that so badly, you could take that with your greedy self. You know, <laughs> you know that's, and, and you see it all the time. You see it all the time. I want to tell you that there ain't no blessing in that. that ain't, there ain't no blessing in that. You know, so let's be careful how we follow what Jesus says in these verses. Now, in Luke 31, we come to Luke 31, where we find what is known as the golden rule. And that's my next point, the golden rule. The golden rule. Jesus says in this verse, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And all of us, all of our young people in particular, you ought to know this verse and you ought to live by it. You want to be transformed? You live by this verse. It's a simple verse. You know, we used to say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? How many of you remember that? Do unto others. Jesus says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. In that single verse, Jesus provides Christians with an ethical code to live by. It is, it is a summation of everything he had said to that point. We are not to retaliate when wronged. Strike back when struck. Curse when cursed. Hate when hated. You're not to do any of those things. Instead, Jesus calls us to do to others what we would have them do to us. How do we want to be treated? You don't want people cursing us. You don't want people hating us. What would relationships, what would this world be like if we lived this way, if all of us lived this way, we'll be completely different. What is now to consider point number four? Loving your enemy is a Christian distinctive. Loving your enemy is a Christian distinctive. It is a Christian distinctive or a distinguishing characteristic of Christians to love. Especially to love our neighbors. That's the mark of a disciple of Christ. In other words, it sets the Christian apart. Consider what John thirteen thirty four. And 35 tells us, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. That was Jesus' message. That was Jesus' message when he said these words. If in Luke 6, beginning in verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Jesus is saying to us, if you just love the people who love you, what's the point? What, what distinguishes you from others? He said, even sinners love those who love them. Then he asked, and if you do good just to those who do good to you, what benefit is it to you? Jesus says, for even sinners do the same. I'm trying to show you that Jesus is requiring of us a different path. He wants us to do more. He wants us to be extraordinary. He wants us to be disciples. He wants us to demonstrate agape love. And he says, if 
you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Jesus did not come to this earth for us to be like sinners. Came that we might be Christ-like. Jesus' point was that sinners do those things, but we are called to a higher standard. If we love like sinners love, there is no weakness in that. If we just love like sinners love, there's no weakness in that. There is nothing special about that. We are called to be special. What an amazing witnessing tool even to the person who harms us. But not only to him, but also to those who observe. When we can live like Jesus tells us to, do you imagine the impact we have on the person who hates us, on the person who abuses us, on the person who curses us, And not only to that person, but to all those who observe it. You see, there are several things that we can glean from what Jesus tells us in these verses. We can glean the fact that Jesus' perspective, which must be our perspective, was not on temporal stuff. Jesus was not concerned about these temporal stuff, but he was concerned about Heavenly things. You see, if Jesus were concerned about temporal stuff, he would not give us these kinds of instructions. He's concerned about heavenly things. These instructions demonstrate the low value Jesus placed on temporal things. The next thing we can see here is that Jesus does not expect a Christian to live in a world where he expects reciprocity from sinners. Jesus doesn't, in other words, Jesus does not expect a Christian to live in a world where he expects a Christian to pay back to the sinner what the sinner does to him. That's not what Jesus expects here. Jesus expects the sinner to live out the command that he gives, to live, to love in spite of. The next thing that we can glean from these words is that Jesus knew that a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. What do I mean? You say, well, listen, I'm going to, this person, I can't get rid of this little bit of hate. No, 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 I can keep this little piece here. I can't. I mean, this, this one is just too deep. This one is just too painful. I'm not going to get rid of it. I've got to hold on to this. I don't want him to abuse me next time. I'm going to hold on to this. Well, you see, Jesus says, get rid of all of it. Get rid of all of it. Because Jesus understands how these things can grow and take over our lives. So we've got to get rid of all of it. We've got to release all of it to him. Jesus did not subscribe to compartmentalization. See, this notion that we can, we can be all right, we can be disciples in this area here, and we can ignore this command over here. Jesus didn't subscribe to that. How often we have let our faith down when we did not follow these examples. Can I tell you, those of us who subscribe to the notion that being a Christian is equivalent to being a prince on earth, can't embrace what Jesus said here. I want to say that again. I want to say that again. I want you to hear me. Those who subscribe to this notion that being a Christian is equivalent to being a prince on earth can't really subscribe to this. They can't follow this. To them, this is a slap in the face. You know, there are people out there who teach you. 
that you know that you are supposed to be this and that and you're supposed to have this and that. They can't subscribe to this because they tell you, what, boy, if he slapped me, I can slap him right back. If he cussed me, I can cuss him right back. Pray for him? Yeah, I'll pray for him, all right. But you've got to have faith, really. You've got to have faith in Christ to really do these things. Ultimately, you've got to really have faith. Your faith has to be grounded and rooted. You've got to believe that God's not going to let you down. God, I follow your word. You're not going to let me down. You're not going to let me down. I'm following the Lord's word. If you believe, can I tell you? And you know, we all got to do this. If we believe, we got to believe all the way. We got to stop half-stepping on this thing. And we got to say, Lord, I'm standing on your word. I'm standing on your word. You told me to do good to those who cause me harm. To bless those who curse me. That's what I'm going to do. And my expectation is that you are going to work it out. You're going to work it out. However you work it out, Lord, you're going to work it out. We have to have faith enough to believe this. Now I come to the conclusion. The last point is the perfect example of loving your enemy. The perfect example of loving your enemy. Jesus concludes this portion of his message this way. Jesus says in verse 35, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Listen to what he says further. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. You see, when you and I, as disciples of Christ, when we love our enemies, we take on the nature of our Father. This is how the Apostle Peter said it in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, listen to what he says, listen to what Peter says, through the knowledge of him, that's God, who called us to his own glory and excellence. God has called us to his own glory and excellence. Yes, we are called to exhibit in our lives the glory and the excellence of our Father. Just as He is merciful, we ought to be merciful. Just as He is kind to the ungrateful and to the, the evil, we ought to be kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. We are called to His own glory and His excellence. There is none greater None greater in extending love to one's enemy than God himself. What an example we have in our Father. In our Father, children. We have an example in our Father. We are sons of the one who is full of mercy and grace. We ought to be like our Father. Imagine if God refused to provide sunshine or air, or water to people who deny him. Boy, and I, there's some people, you know, I read sometimes on the internet, there's a particular guy out there. There's several, you know, a lot, lot of atheists out there. But there's this one guy out there. I, sometimes I say, Lord, you know, deal with this one, you know. I mean, but imagine if God did that, if God denied sunshine, or air, or water, or food 
to those who deny him. You deny me and all these things are mine. Well, I'll deny you the benefits. Imagine if God denied those things to people who use his name as a curse word. Just imagine, just imagine for a moment. And he could, he could. Imagine if God acted against those who spend their time trying to persuade others that he did not exist. They themselves would cease to exist. But aren't you glad today? Aren't you glad today that God does not keep an account of their sins and your sins and our sins? Imagine, imagine if he did. Matthew 5, 44 and 45 tells us, But I say to you, Jesus says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And Jesus continues, For he, God, makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends the rain. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. See, once we were enemies, once we were enemies to, with God, but even in that state, the Bible tells us, that Christ died for us. He died for us. And what is Astounding about that fact. It's not just that he died for you and me, but listen, he died for us, knowing that we were going to continue sinning. Now that, that always boggles my mind. Jesus knew when he died for me. He understood my today, my yesterday, and tomorrow, and he still died for me. And he still extended grace and mercy to me and to you. I can't wrap my hands, my head around that. Consider if God who is perfect. I want you to imagine, think about this for a moment. Consider God who is perfect. Is capable of being merciful. You can bring no charge against him that sticks he's perfect yet he is merciful but what do you think about us imperfect old us very often when you and i are hated when you and i are cursed very often there's something we did to deserve that i'm not justifying it but i'm speaking here about our imperfection compared to God's perfection. The truth is, in the end, the truth is that we lack the ability to love our enemies on our own. We can't do this on our own. We need God's Holy Spirit. We need the help of the Spirit to help us and to remind us. We need to be constantly reminded. You know, I bet you that there's going to be something happening perhaps even as, as early as today. You step out of these doors and you're going to be reminded, oh, you know, I just remember I was supposed to love my enemy. Well, thank God for his Holy Spirit. Perhaps you're a believer. Perhaps you're a believer today. And you're saying, I am struggling with this Ocean, this command to love my enemy. I'm struggling with that in, in many different ways. Well, I want to tell you, the first thing I want to tell you is that you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. The second thing I want to tell you is that your remorse is evidence that the Holy Spirit is working on your heart already. Thank God for giving you a conscience. Thank God for giving you the desire to want to change. 
Can I invite you, believer, not to stop there. I invite you, I suggest to you that you ought to pray, that you ought to take this to the Lord and ask Him to help you and to help you on an ongoing way so that you might be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to suggest to you also that you be intentional about extending love to those who hate you. But what if you're not a believer? If you're not a believer, well, the truth is you can't possibly follow these commands. It's not possible. You just can't do it. You fail before you take the exam. The first thing that you need to do is you need to surrender your heart to the Lord. The one who is full of mercy and grace extends an invitation to you today. That's the first thing you need to do. And despite all of your ways, despite all of your sins, Despite all of your shortcomings, no matter where you are today, he stands ready. He stands ready to extend forgiveness. He stands ready to extend forgiveness to you through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what he just told us in his word. He stands ready to forgive you. So if you're an unbeliever today, I want to encourage you to hear the voice of the Spirit of the Lord as He speaks to your heart. We're going to pray now as we invite the praise team to come as we sing Your Grace.